everybody. So this is really exciting. Uh, I'm here with my friend Conrado and we are going back in time. We are going back uh, 10 years and we're going to be looking at the year 2007, uh, the year in movies. And we're going to be talking about uh, the year as a whole and our top 10 favorite movies of 2007. And so this can be, I think, a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And I think we have a very, very uh, eclectic group of, I guess, 20 movies uh, between the two of us. And uh, so do you want to uh, introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you for having me. My name, like you said, is uh, Conrado. And I uh, write about movies as often as I can on the internet. The name of my blog is Coco Hits New York. And yeah, uh, this is the third time that we're recording a podcast, right? And I'm really mm -hmm. happy about it. I feel like third time's going to be the charm. Not that the <laughs> others weren't good, but this is going to be, I feel it's going to be our, our best yet. I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been really, really fun so far. And uh, this was a, a lot of fun to get ready for because uh, you, know, you just see things that you would never see. So you and I are have really different tastes, which is a lot of fun, which makes movies cool. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So back 10 years to the year 2007. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, what, what we thought we'd do is talk about uh, the year as a whole first, and then we go over our lists. And so uh, the, uh, the, I thought we'd talk about the Oscars and then the box office and, and the Razzies, all those fun stuff. Um, so the yeah. year, the year at the Oscars, uh, the best picture winner was No Country for Old Men. Uh, mm -hmm. Best director was the Coen Brothers, uh, Joel and Ethan Coen. The best actor, Daniel Day Lewis, uh, for There Will Be Blood. We're going to talk about these movies, some of these movies coming up. Uh, best Actress, uh, Marion Cotillard for La Vie en Rose. Uh, supporting Actor, uh, Javier Bardem for No Country for Old Men. Supporting Actress, Tilda Swinton for Michael Clayton. Uh, out of these uh, major categories, uh, mm -hmm. I guess, which one do you agree the most with? Which one do you disagree the most with? Um... Well, I have to, a couple of things to say about the Oscars just in general mm -hmm. and about this year specifically before we get too sure. into it. The first thing, very important, this is the first year that I won my Oscar poll. Oh, nice. <laughs> because I uh, was the only one in my, this was just like a small family gathering thing, mm -hmm. but I was the only one who could um, uh, predict that Tilda Swinton was going to win because nobody... Uh, there was a huge surprise. I remember back in the day, everyone thought, I think some of the nominees, I think Kate Blanchett was nominated for playing Bob Dylan. In oh, yeah, she, she was nominated twice that year. Yeah, and I think a lot of people thought she might win. I think Ruby Dee from American Gangster won uh, the SAG Award or something. So she was mm -hmm. also talked about. And then out of nowhere came Tilda Swinton. And I'm very happy because I was the one person in my family that saw that coming. I don't know how I did see that coming, but uh, good for me. Yeah. Um, and number two is that uh, 2007, that's 10 years ago, but it 
a lot of things have changed i feel in the uh well in uh, just in the world in general in like a political and the like movie landscape that mm -hmm. was if you think about it, it's just that's 10 true. years but that's two presidents ago and um that's true so, so it was kind of like the end of the bush years and i think especially in hollywood people were in a pretty dark mood about that whole thing um people were getting tired of the whole war in iraq and all those sort of things and so i think that's kind of the reason why a movie that is pretty dark like no country for old men was kind of in the minds of of the people voting at the oscars at that time and could you know uh get all the major oscars that it did yeah it's a good point i mean they this is before they had the 10 the possibility of 10 nominees uh that that would happen uh, in well the catalyst for that would happen the year later when the dark knight didn't get nominated yeah. that's uh, another thing that's really different now right back then we had only five best picture nominees yeah and uh the and i kind of I don't know. I, I kind of like that we have the more nominees personally, because uh, I, I like the fact that you have movies that are a little bit more mainstream uh, that get nominated. But I guess in fairness, uh, this year, actually, um, most of the nominees did pretty well at the box office. Uh, no Comfort, No Country for Old Men was a pretty big hit and uh and also uh something like uh, there will be blood actually did pretty well uh at the box office juno did great at the box office so it wasn't uh it wasn't too bad it wasn't one of those years where it was like i, I there were definitely this was before i was like a huge movie watcher there was a lot of times when i'd watch the oscars and i wouldn't have even heard of a lot of the nominees let alone seen them Right. Uh, I think Michael Clayton did pretty well. I mean, it was just a, a pretty good year considering, like you say, that the movies were pretty dark. Uh, the only one of these nominees that I pretty, I kind of disagree with is, uh, as much as I like Marion Cotillard, I, I, I don't think that her performance in uh, La Vie and Rose uh, was better than Ellen Page and Juno. I, I think that, that, uh, that right. one I wouldn't um, have given personally. Yeah, I don't think it would have either. Um, La Vie and Rose, I, I've only seen it the one time back in back 10 years ago, probably, or around there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I don't think it's a very good movie. It's kind of very typical biopic, musical yeah. biopic sort of thing about, you know, the life of Eddie Piaf. But uh, I guess she's good, but it's like a, you know, a kind of like a big performance, lots of makeup. And of course, Marion Cotillard is an amazing actress and she has proven that she's, she's given some amazing performances since. So yeah, maybe it would have been cool if she had won for some of her later work. Although having, I mean, if we're being honest, I think the fact that she won the Oscar is probably why she got to make all, all these amazing movies later in and really what made her a star because she wasn't really that well known back then right and she's also a french actress so you know i think that's kind of what made her uh big in hollywood yeah i think that's true and and i do i really do love her she's wonderful but anyway i just i i wish that the academy recognized um comedic performances a little bit more uh, as opposed to these you know these melodramas but uh, yeah. every once in a while they will but I wish that they did more 
Um, all right. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about the the Razzies that year. Uh, <laughs> just to okay. talk a little bit about the worst. Uh, mm -hmm. You had uh, pretty much it was ruled by two movies. You had the uh, I Know Who Killed Me, <laughs> Lindsay uh -huh. Lohan. Oh, yes. I remember when that came out. I never saw it, but, you know, it's supposed to be bad. Worst picture and worst actress. And mm -hmm. you had uh, Eddie Murphy in Norbit, oh, who yes. won best actor, <laughs> I mean, worst actor, mm -hmm. worst supporting actor, and worst supporting actress. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the kind of thing the Razzies do. Um, but also, it's worth mentioning Norbit. Uh, won a bunch of Razzies, but it was also nominated for one Oscar in the makeup category, which oh. I remember was a big deal at the time. <laughs> um, and now, of course, we all know that the, the, the makeup category is completely fine with nominating bad movies as long as they have what I guess they find to be impressive makeup. Because <laughs> last year, you know, Suicide Squad won the Oscar and there's other kind of weird nominees there, which is, I think it's kind of cool. I respect the makeup category for not really caring about the movie, the quality of the movie itself, right? Because they are honoring just the makeup work and that can be yeah. in any sort of movie. That's true. That's true. Um, that, yeah. that it's about yeah. who, uh, who did the best in that category, not necessarily how good the movie is. Yeah, yeah, so. um, absolutely. And uh, I don't know if I have a lot to say about the Razzies, except that <laughs> I don't like them. I think they're dumb. Okay. But, uh, I feel like, you know... Um, I feel like they were more helpful in the days pre... Uh, I don't know. Pre... Like in the 90s. I think they are more helpful then as opposed to now when you have things like... Uh, I don't know, YouTube and, and uh, Rotten Tomatoes and, and stuff like that. Like, everybody knows the bad movies, whereas I feel like it was sort of this release in the past, you know, that uh, yeah. was a little bit more needed. But anyway, I just thought it was sort of a fun little thing to talk about, the worst oh, of the yeah. year. Yeah, it's definitely great to look back and remember <laughs> the, uh, this classics, such as Norbit. And yeah, right. Um, so let's start. So just the the box office real quick. Uh, the number one at the box office was uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Uh, uh, is this so? Is this the U.S. box office or the or international box uh, office? Worldwide, Do you know. Worldwide, worldwide. okay. Worldwide. Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean. That sounds about right. The world loves those pirates. Loves those pirates. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, then. Um, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix uh, was number two. Mm -hmm. um, Spider-Man 3, Shrek the Third, mm -hmm. which, cool, I hate that movie. Um, yeah, uh, Transformers was number, the very first uh, Transformers was next. Wow, that's really weird because, you know, Transformers, that made a lot of money back then, but that, what happened to that franchise? They haven't <laughs> seen one of those movies in so long. No, I don't they just know. Didn't, they just wouldn't make a new one, huh? Well. Good for them for their integrity. <laughs> just doing one. Integrity. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, uh, then Ratatouille. Uh, then I Am Legend, which is a movie that kind of breaks my heart because I love the first like thirty minutes of that movie. I love. Uh, but 
yes it just falls i apart. agree with it it's yeah it gets a little rough but the, you're right the first half of the movie is, is just amazing it's really yeah. really great yeah um and uh and then uh the simpsons movie uh was next uh which is a movie i i did have on my top 15 but uh, i i just i feel like as much as i am a huge simpsons fan i, I still watch it even now mm-hmm. um i feel like the movie was was just good it wasn't great in my yeah. did you watch have you seen the movie recently or? um it's been a little bit since i've seen it but my my wish that i kind of wish that they had uh it's good i like it it's funny it's got some good jokes and it, mm-hmm. the animation looks really pretty and you can definitely see but it definitely feels like they had 18 writers on it um right. and i i know it was a really hard it was a pain in the neck for them to write to make it and it was really hard and, uh and they you could just kind of tell. <laughs> um, I don't know. For me, I, I, I wish that they had done something sort of like uh, it's a mad, mad, mad world, you know? And so as opposed to separating the Simpson family off, I wish they had done something with that sort of involved more of these side characters that I really like uh, and hmm. maybe had them all on like a treasure hunt or something like that. I think it would have been a lot more funny, but yeah. it's good. I like it, like, but it's just, I don't think it's great. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a while, uh, probably close to 10 years, but um, I remember it being fun. I mean, like yeah. you say, it was pretty good. It was just not uh, the greatest movie I saw that year, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and then National Treasure to the Book of Shadows. I actually yeah. like the National Treasure movies. I think they're fun. Uh, I've, yeah, I haven't seen them. I've only seen them once, but I remember enjoying them. Yeah. Um, and then uh, 300. Was the, was the number 10. Yeah, that's at, the stinker. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it, uh, but it doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah. Okay, then real quick, uh, the, the top 10 at the Rotten Tomatoes um, are... Oh, okay. Yeah, so we're um, Born Ultimatum, uh, 93%. Had the most reviews, even though it's just 93%. Then we had Sicko, which I guess was the uh, Michael Moore Michael movie Moore, that year. Moore, yeah. Um, Hairspray, uh, mm-hmm. Juno, Knocked Up, uh, Gone Baby Gone, uh, Enchanted, and Zodiac mm-hmm. were uh-huh. the top at Rotten Tomatoes. So that's what the mm-hmm. box office liked. That's what the critics liked. And uh, so there we go. Anything surprise you there in any of those? Um, let's see. Um, I'm a little surprised that I Am Legend made as much money as it did. Although I guess Will Smith back then, he was a real draw. He was a major, major superstar. So, yeah. 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 Shouldn't really surprise me. But that's also something that's changed a little bit in 10 years. Yeah, that's before he started to kind of try to pimp out his kids and and make (laughs) them in all the movies. Uh, I think that really hurt his career for a little while but hopefully he's on a good a good path hopefully we get him back um because yeah. I, I i love will smith i do but, like will smith but after earth woo, yeah and rough. what's the movie from last year that's uh, <laughs> supposed to be really bad that he was in it's not oh, oh yeah the other collateral one. beauty collateral i never beauty, saw yeah. that but that looked terrible 
I think I might see that because everything I've heard about it just sounds so crazy. I'm, yeah. I'm really curious about it. But it's, yeah, sadly, it's supposed to be really bad and it didn't really, really, really do bad. any money. Yeah. So, oh, well, Will Smith. Um, okay. Uh, so let's get started on our list. And uh, so I just thought I'd say real, I, I have two on my list that are also on your list. So I just thought mm -hmm. I would really quick just um, mention my number 11 and number 12. Um, and it was actually like a really strong year for musicals in 2007. I love musicals. And uh, even, even they're, if they're not perfect as far as the singing, I don't know, I just love, I love musicals. Um, and uh, so my number, uh, my number 12 and 11 are Sweeney Todd and Hairspray. Uh, I, I recognize the flaws in these films, but I just find them, I, I like the music a lot in both these movies and I like the performances a lot. And uh, I, I think that Sweeney Todd is the last good watchable Tim Burton movie that we've ever gotten. Uh, I, I hated his movie last year, Miss Peregrine's Home for, I thought it was so boring. Right. And uh, personally, I really I did not, did not like it. it. Um, anyway, I just, I, I really just think, it bums me out because I love Tim Burton in the 90s so much, uh, 80s and 90s. And I just, I just think whatever's happened, he's just, he, I don't think he's made a good movie. I, not even just a good movie, like his movies, I have really disliked uh, in the uh, in the last ten years. So, uh, so Sweeney Todd, I, I just I love the Sondheim songs. Uh, it's it's really it's really bloody, so it's a weird choice for me. But I don't know, it's just so creative, and uh, I I enjoy it. And mm -hmm. um, and then Hairspray, I I just think is the exact opposite, but it's just so cheerful and it's so uh, effervescent, and I really enjoy watching it. Were you, did you know the, the musicals before you saw the movies or were, were yes. the movies your first? In, so you were familiar with both Sweeney yes. Todd and, and the Hairspray musical. Yeah. And like oh, I said, okay. I, I recognize that they both have some issues, but I just really find them very, I still find them enjoyable. I think they're good movies. I like the artistic okay. design in Sweeney Todd. I like the performances pretty good. Um, and yeah. uh, in Hairspray, I, I, like I said, I just find it cheerful. I find it enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Uh, and um, I like music. So the issue with Sweeney Todd, I'm assuming, uh, is the is the singing, right? Which is not quite up yeah. to the level of the you know the Broadway people that sang in the original musical. Yeah, um, Johnny Depp, <laughs> Alan Bonham Carter, um, doing what they can. And some of the movies, some of the songs they can pull off, but some others, uh, it gets a little rough there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But what about Hairspray? I, from what I remember, and I also haven't seen the movie in a, in a while, um, I thought it was a pretty, it wasn't, you know, it was a fine movie. It was fun. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you think are the issues there? Or do you just... Um, a lot of people just think that it's, I've heard a lot of people complain that it's annoying, that, uh, that John Travolta is, his makeup is weird. And I, I, hmm. I, I get it. It is kind of weird, this makeup. Um, 
but I don't know I like it. I think it's really charming and very happy and effervescent. And I think Queen Latifah just crushes it in her song. I love her song. Hmm. And uh, I, I think actually, yeah, all well, the singing is pretty good in uh, Zach Efron can certainly sing. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, not my favorite in there, but Nikki Blonsky is great in the lead. Okay, so that's my 11 and uh, 12 and 11, uh, but let's get started. So what is your number 10? All right, so we'll start with my number 10. And some of the movies that we've mentioned in all these Oscar Rotten Tomatoes things, we will be discussing as well, but the first one, uh, is the the first time we're going to talk about this movie, and it's called Secret Sunshine. It is a South Korean movie directed by Lee Chang Dong and starring Jong Do Young and Song Kang Ho. I guess that was my best attempt at pronunciation of these Korean names. Um, so basically, Secret Sunshine is a movie about uh, a woman who's recently her husband has died, and so she decides to move to the to her husband's um, hometown, which is a small town, sort of in, uh, I guess, in the countryside almost of South Korea. She goes with her small uh, young son and starts to start a new life in this town. And then, um, I don't know how how far into the plot I should get in because I when I saw the movie I didn't know much about it yeah. and it's got a few surprises I do have to say it's a pretty rough movie is this one of the ones you saw Rachel have yeah. you seen this movie I just watched it last night okay <laughs> it is it is yeah it's an intense movie some some bad uh, things happen like it's but, good I, I I'm glad I watched it but yeah, woo, yeah. it's it's it is intense it is intense, but it's, like you say, it's very interesting. Of course, I, I do like it a lot. It's my number 10. Sure. Um, I think it's a very interesting movie because let's just say some, some uh, kind of traumatizing, very intense things happen to this woman who's trying to, to start a new life in a new town. And the movie has a very interesting way of showing how she deals with it and how she tries to get over it this trauma um i think the movie has a very interesting view of uh religion and what religion does to people when they need when they need this sort of you know comfort and also how misinterpretation of religion can disappoint the people that are that are looking for something more in this world so to Mm -hmm. say there's a very interesting scene i think the best scene in the movie you might agree with me is when she goes to visit someone at a prison and yeah. uh, she has sort of like a, a interesting revelation about how she's been dealing with this whole trauma thing and, and her relationship to the church and, and what else. I think it's a very interesting movie. Um, mm-hmm. Jung Do Young, the actress, um, gives a very, very intense performance. I think she does a great job of uh, you know, letting us know her little and unexpected shifts in in her personality, even though she's kind of like being very intense and crying a lot on the outside, she lets us know a little bit of what's going on the inside, which is really nice. And she won actually the Best Actress Prize at the Cannes Film Festival that year, which I think was very deserved. Right. 
Yeah, I, I agree with all that you've said. I think that it's the kind of movie that I think that if it was remade in, in, for American audiences, they'd totally ruin it uh, because they would make it very heavy-handed, I think, uh, mm-hmm. with uh, the... Because it's really interesting, because I'm obviously a very religious person. Everyone knows that. and But in this movie, they certainly... Um, it has that commentary of, of religion. But I don't know. Like, it's more just saying, this is what happened to this person. It's not saying that necessarily, to me at least, that religion is evil. And so that what's, that's what makes it, like, interesting, I think, is that, right. uh, is that this, it's just sort of saying, um, uh, here's this person's story. And I always appreciate that in movies mm-hmm. when, uh, when you're not being told how to think and told how yes. to live your life. Yes, and I think that's a very... Uh, one of the movie's biggest strengths is that it is very, it lives in the gray zone, so to say, right? Everything is, um, the whole thing with the with the church and with religion is very much like it works for some people and it doesn't work for her. And what does it do for each individual person? Mm-hmm. And then the character played by uh, Song, uh, Song Kang Ho, who is this guy who is kind of like attracted to her and you know like you say if it were made in america their story together would i think be more either like a straight-up romance or more of like this guy's really creepy and she yeah he was a little creepy i kept thinking that maybe there was something more sinister with him like he was a little bit creeps a lot i thought (laughs) He, I think he is a, a creepy dude, and I think there are a lot of guys like him out there. But you know, the movie doesn't. It's not like he's yeah. the worst person in the world. He's so the movie has this very like complex view of of all of its characters, and I think that's very that's what made it made it so good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It it, it was really you got to admire her because I don't know how. I, however many days this thing shot let's just say it it took them a month let's just say Mm -hmm. keeping up that kind i mean wow uh keeping up that kind of intensity uh that was amazing i don't know how she did that and and you just it's devastating this this is not a movie to watch with your friends on a friday night let's put it that way like this movie is intense (laughs) and uh it was. Unless it you was, have some very intense friends. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, it it was very moving. I I cried a lot, and uh, it just felt like you're following this because the religion did give her some comfort. It did give her some joy at certain sections, and and mm-hmm. uh, and that and 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 that made it more kind of real. And I don't know, just you're just following this woman uh, on what happened to her and her life. Yeah. And and so, yeah, it was really good. Yeah. And her fallout with religion isn't really because religion is bad or because it it doesn't work, but it's more because she was looking some for something in religion that was a little bit too personal or like Mm -hmm. maybe a little too selfish. Right. I think that's my interpretation of what happens is that, uh, in that moment in the prison, she realizes the reason she wanted to go in religion wasn't really to actually become a religious person, but to achieve some sort of personal 
uh, catharsis, I guess. I don't know. Um, to to yeah. achieve forgiveness. Uh, it, you know, it's hard because this is one movie that we could do like a full hour podcast easy on. Yes. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we're uh, starting to, I feel like. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, she wanted to be able to uh, sort of achieve forgiveness as a, um, as a, like a victory, as a trophy almost. Yes. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, people, yeah, we've talked about it for, I guess, too long now, but I guess people, hopefully it'll get people interested and they yeah. will check it out because it's yeah. a good movie. Um, one thing I noticed is that uh, you had a lot of uh, foreign films on your list. Would you say that's typical of you in your top 10 list? Or just um, this year? Sometimes, sometimes. Well, what happened was uh, some of, a lot of these foreign movies I hadn't seen before and what I did this year uh, was actually to take a look at the at the movies that played at the Cannes Film Festival back in 2007. So okay. a lot of these movies are actually, I think a lot of the movies in my top 10 are from, from played at the Cannes Film Festival because, you know, I watched all of them and a lot of them, some of them were just okay, but a lot of them were really great and they all ended up on, on my list. Um, okay. And I do try to, to watch a lot of foreign movies and, and you know, uh, I try to make my top 10 as diverse as possible in terms of different places in the world. Um, That's yeah. really cool. Um, all right, so my number 10 choice, I probably won't talk about too much, but my number 10 choice is Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. And I know you're not super high in Harry Potter, but in my opinion, uh, it's the best of the series, actually, this movie. I think that, that, uh, that Prisoner of Azkaban is the best made of the series, but I think that Order of the Phoenix is the best one uh, because I I think that it it actually has a villain, which most of the Harry Potter movies, it sounds weird to say because Voldemort is the villain, but he's usually just talked about and not actually seen very much. Even in something like The Half-Blood Prince, he's not actually in that movie that much. And, uh, and so what I like about Order of the Phoenix is that you have Umbridge, who's this great character and this great villain, and uh, you get David Yates for the first time stepping in, uh, and uh, I think that he, you see Harry leading Dumbledore's army, and that is really fun to see him being a teacher and a leader, and I think it's, it's very well paced. It's also emotional at the end with uh, Sirius and, uh, and, you know, Harry losing one more person in his life. And that's, I think, well done. Uh, and so, yeah, it's my personal favorite Harry Potter movie. So I felt like I had to include it on my list. Uh, and uh, so that's my number 10. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like you say, I'm not the biggest Harry Potter fan. I will agree. I also think, uh, Order of the Phoenix is the best of the movies. It's the one I like the most, even though I say it with a little bit of faint praise, considering I'm not a big fan of most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will agree that it's uh, it's got one of the more, I think, interesting premises, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, this is the one where Voldemort is back and it's kind of this thing of like, people are trying to say that he isn't and they don't really want to believe Harry mm-hmm. Potter when he says that Voldemort is back. So they have to take things into their own hands. And that's really, sets up a cool dynamic. And I will also agree that uh, the Dolores Umbridge character, it's a really good, cool one and a really good villain. And I think it's a great performance by uh, Imelda Staunton. Mm-hmm. I think she does a great work playing. Uh, 
uh, umbrage. Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, it, she's very. She's she's obviously super sweet on the outside, but but really uh, duplicitous and horrible uh, yeah. on the inside. Although so. I do have to say, I have a little bit of an issue with. I guess it is part of the fun, and I guess the Harry Potter world works in very broad strokes but i mm -hmm. did have a little bit of a reaction when um when we go to umbridge's office and it's all pink and and she's got all these cats cat pictures in the mm -hmm. office which i thought was like a little uh, i guess i mean i wasn't totally heavy-handed yeah not only that but i was i felt a little bit like oh like we don't have to make fun of ladies that like pink and like cats you know what i mean i feel like that was a little um, I would have wished that it were a little bit more uh, nuanced than that. But again, it's Harry Potter. Things are kind of broad in the Harry Potter world. So I don't know. Yeah. I feel like just because I like cats, I feel a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I can see that. Uh, yeah, it's. I think it's just trying to kind of uh, just add to this sort of Wicked Witch kind of character. But I, I yeah. get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's playing with stereotypes. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it and it, it's a little bit less predictable than some of the previous ones too, where it's like always the Defense Against the Dark's art teacher who's not very, you know, and and uh, I don't know. It's just uh, it's it's interesting. I I like it. I I think it's entertaining. So that's my number ten. What's your um, number nine? My number nine is a movie called We Own the Night, mm -hmm. and this movie was directed by Mr. James Gray, starring. Joaquin Phoenix, Mark Wahlberg, Eva Mendes, and Robert Duvall. And so James Gray is a director who's not that well-known in the U.S., although he's uh, becoming more well-known as time goes by. Uh, he is American, though, and he's very beloved, beloved in France. That's why this movie played at the Cannes Film Festival. He's made a couple movies that have uh, gotten pretty good reviews in the last couple of years. The Immigrant, starring Marion Cotillard, and also this year he has The Lost City of Z, um, ah. which I was a fan of. I I know you didn't like it that much, but um, I admired so, it. Uh, I thought it was well made, but I didn't. I thought the screenplay let me down personally. But but anyway, okay. yeah, that's interesting. Well, the thing about James Gray, I think, is that. Um, he has this sort of talent for taking old-fashioned sort of ideas for movies in genres that you feel like uh, you have seen that before and then he finds like a new sort of spin or he just it's not that he makes anything that's particularly edgy with them but he just makes a really good version of that movie right mm -hmm. so in the immigrant you have like this immigrant in ellis island story and lost city of z of course plays on a lot of like adventure movies of back in the day and then we own the night which is the movie we're actually talking about it's basically just like a movie about cops in brooklyn but uh he just kind of uh, takes that idea and uh he just does like the best possible version of that movie that he could make and i think he pulls it off quite a bit um joaquin phoenix is the lead in the movie and he plays sort of like this guy who he's kind of like the black sheep in a family that's full of cops and he kind of like just works at a, at a nightclub um and then through a series of events he ends up being recruited by the cops in order to bring down sort of like a drug ring 
and he's really great in the movie. Eva Mendes plays his girlfriend. She's also really good, even though she's got a rather small role in it. And one of the things that people will take away from this movie is there's a couple of really, really cool set pieces. There's a, there's a car chase in the rain that is really great. There's, and there is the finale takes place at this sort of meadow with really tall grass. So people can't really see each other. The cops are kind of chasing the criminals and they can't really find each other because the, t the grass is so tall. So there's, I think uh, the director makes a bunch of really interesting, cool um, uh, choices in, 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 in how he shoots these scenes. And uh, it's just a really cool movie. It's like, yeah. it's, you know, it's the sort of movie, and this is the thing with James Grace's movie a lot of the time, you kind of see what the premise is, and you say, well, I've seen this before, but he just uh, takes it to a different level. Yeah. Yeah, it looked good. I just saw the trailer. It kind of reminded me, uh, it looked a little bit like um, a Michael Mann movie. I would have thought maybe it might have been um, um, like Heat, kind of looked a little bit like Heat. Maybe, maybe a little bit in premise, but the, the this is actually I'm kind of glad you you made that comparison because uh, they are similar in subject, but the difference between Michael Mann and James Gray is that Michael Mann um, is interested almost in the technique of filmmaking more than anything, and he whereas James Gray is interested most of all in his characters, which is something that Michael Mann is absolutely uninterested in. Mm -hmm. So James Gray is very very much a humanist director and he one of his talents is he sort of finds human moments and and deep characterization for even like you know the supporting roles that wouldn't really be that much uh, that fleshed out in in lesser movies right like for example the the girlfriend characters in his movies like Eva Mendes plays Joaquin Phoenix's girlfriend mm -hmm. and in most with most directors she would just be like one of the most forgettable whatever characters but James Gray gives her some really good moments and really makes you understand what she is going through as well as the main character which you think mm. is really cool yeah cool all right so my number nine is called um five centimeters per second this is directed by Makoto Shinkai who is uh the director of Your Name which I love so much uh it came out in the U.S. this year. It came out uh, technically uh, for an Oscar thing in 2016, uh, but I, it really spoke to me. I loved it, and and this is less bold than that. It's uh, but it uh, it is beautiful. It's it's kind of a stretch, I guess, to maybe call it a feature film because it's just an hour long. Uh, it's it's three uh, shorts, I guess, three segments, kind of like Moonlight, sort of, and in the sense that it's divided into three acts, but it's about the same person. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it, it, it's about this um, boy uh, who falls in love with this girl and uh, they have this sort of moment together and then they're separated and it, then you meet this other girl and there's sort of a, a bittersweet um, story a love story there and then he ends up sort of back with this other girl from the beginning and as uh, so it's pretty simple um but it's so beautiful i love the animation and i just love hit the way that he creates characters that i i love and that are just good people and the way that he 
um, uses light and music and uh, I, I, I just, I love, I love the way that he tells stories and, um, uh, and just there's a purity to his characters that I really respond to and that I, I really love. And uh, so I, I, I thought it was just mm -hmm. beautiful. So this sounds like it's similar to your name in that it's sort of like a bit of a romance, right? It sounds mm -hmm. pretty romantic. Mm -hmm. Is that, is it right? Yes. You could make an argument that this is sort of saccharine and, uh, and some people might not like that. Uh, but uh, I, I, I like romances and um, it's not as bold as your name. Your name is very, uh, uh, it's, it, it takes risks and it's very creative in my opinion. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is more just a simple love story uh, that, uh, you know, that you could say, Oh, we've seen it other times before, but it's all about how the story is told with the beautiful animation and the, the beautiful, the way it uses music and light and, and um, the way he, he really focuses a lot in his movies about, about moments and, uh, how you know we sort of have these these uh, moments of connection with other human beings in our life, and mm -hmm. uh, and how important I guess those sort of moments are. Anyway. Right. Um, so your name is is a romance, but it's also a sci-fi movie. Is this also mm -hmm. science fiction, or no. not really? No. It's no. Just... That's why I say it's not as like bold. It doesn't take as many risks. I see. So this okay. is just more a simple romance between. Uh, uh, Basically, it's, it's I'm trying to think of a good um, comparison, but it's just uh, the... Um, well, I think, I think you're kind of selling me on it, just saying it's your name without the science fiction aspect. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, because I liked your name, but the uh -huh. part of it that I liked the least was, was the science fiction part. I actually yeah. really like the whole character and sort of uh, romance aspect of it. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to give this a shot. I, it sounds interesting to me. It sounds like it might be a good movie. And I think that you would like, actually, I think you would like even more than this is his first, I think it's his first film, The Garden of Words. I, I, mm -hmm. that, I think you'd like it even more. Uh, it's gorgeous and I, it's a little bit more mature, I would say, uh, yeah, than even yeah. than this. So, I, so you've I, been I think, a... You've been in a Makoto Shinshai uh, <laughs> kick, right? You've been watching all his movies. Have. Yes, I have. And uh, I, I love his, I love his aesthetic. I love the, the purity of his characters. And I, I love that um, uh, he, he creates characters that I want to spend time with that I, I like. And uh, I don't know, I just, I just really enjoy him as an artist. All right. What's yeah. the name is five centimeters per, per second. Yeah. And like I awesome. said, you should definitely, I wouldn't, I would be really surprised knowing your tastes if um, Garden of Words isn't your favorite of his. All right. So check that okay. out as well. Put them on my list. <laughs> um, but anyway, so what is your number, uh, uh, your number eight? Number eight, uh, the Darjeeling Limited directed by Wes Anderson, starring Owen Wilson, Adrian Brody, Jason Schwartzman. Uh, Darjeeling Limited, it's a good movie. Directed mm -hmm. by Wes Anderson, my favorite director probably. Mm -hmm. So I like it. Um, what can we say about this movie? It, it takes place in India, which is uh, kind of like the main 
thing that's different about it from other Wes Anderson movies. Uh, it's about three brothers, brothers who are go in India, kind of trying to um, find some resolution after their their father dies, and and they're kind of like, uh, you know, after the death of their father, they're kind of like a little bit lost at sea, and then they decide to take a trip to India together in order to to take care of that. Um, have you seen this movie, Rachel? Yep, I just watched it, and uh, it's fun. I, it's not my favorite Wes Anderson. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. I, I just, I like, I like like the Grand Budapest Hotel, some of his mm-hmm. other movies a little bit better. Um, but it was funny. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I will say. Um, obviously, I really like this movie, but I do think that it is sort of. Uh, one of the more, I think the the people who are really into Wes Anderson are the ones who are going to appreciate it the most. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think on the surface, well, on the surface, it's different because he gets to go to India. So he's working with a little bit of a, of a different uh, style, not style, but you know, his style is very particular and it's very similar in all his movies, but he's kind of, he's got a, a different place to work with. So the, the compositions and the, our direction is very is a yeah. little bit different from the other movies, um, but and the story is kind of again about you know like most of his movies about these people who are kind of like a little bit dealing with with trauma, trying to get over it, and uh, you know emotionally closed off people trying to find some connection and things like that. Um, so that is a familiar theme for him, but I think he's kind of um, he's exploring a little bit of a, of a, of a couple of different angles in this movie, which I find are, are interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also, of course, very beautiful. Uh, the mm-hmm. art direction, I don't know if you agree with this. Mm-hmm. I think the art direction, like in most of his movies, is magnificent. And there's a scene that I think is really great. It's, it's, a, it's a small scene in which he kind of like, uh, we see all like these little compartments in the train and it's almost like a, like a dollhouse version of a train and we see all of the characters in different carriages and, and it's I think that part is really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you yeah, know the part I agree. About? Yeah, no, I agree. It, I mean, his movies are always beautiful, Wes Anderson. Um, one thing I really like about this movie as far as his films is that they, I think they keep the, the three brothers pretty likable. I think that sometimes his movies can turn me off a little bit because... Uh, I don't know. I just have a hard time bonding with the characters a little bit. Uh, like I'm not as huge on Rushmore as most people. I just found him mm. to be kind of unlikable and kind of annoying. And uh, um, I get why other people love it, but I, I didn't love it. Um, uh, but this one, I felt like he did a better job with that of keeping these characters that I liked. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because these characters, I think, uh, yeah, they're likable, but they're also, I feel like, definitely a little bit of jerks, right? Yeah. Especially, but I think there is an interesting, like you say, balance because because the Owen Wilson character is probably the biggest jerk of the three, three, but he's also uh, gone through this sort of act, had this accident, so we his whole face is in in bandages, so that kind of makes us, uh, you know, I feel a little bit for him and the scene in which he takes off his bandages is is also really powerful i think Mm -hmm. and 
uh, of course, it's a, a bit of an obvious metaphor that he's had an accident and he's trying to heal himself when he's actually trying to heal himself emotionally, you know. But I think it works in this semi-cartoon world that Wes Anderson is working with. Yeah, I do. I do, too. It was an enjoyable film. Uh, I liked it. So, okay. So my number uh, eight is uh, Dan in Real Life. And this is an interesting movie because I love romantic comedies. I love romances uh, when they're done well. And I think that this one is. Um, it's an interesting film, though, because for me, uh, I actually like it almost in spite of the romance <laughs> in a weird way because I, I don't think that uh, Juliette Binoche and Steve Carell have that great of chemistry uh, in the movie. Um, but I think that it is the, the family dynamic that it creates is so wonderful and so heartwarming and it feels authentic to me when I watch it, that that's a real family and that that's the family that I certainly can relate to in these kind of family reunion type settings is something I, I, I can relate to. And mm -hmm. I think that Steve Carell is so good uh, in the role. He's very, uh, uh, you like him. Uh, he's this, he's, he writes this column giving parenting advice. He's this widower and yet he's having all of these problems with his two girls and the girls are great and so funny. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, sort of the, the, the lesson is like, he can't even take his own advice. Like he's not, uh, is, is right. really good. And even Dane Cook is good. And I think in this, and you get Emily Blunt, she, <laughs> she appears and she's good. And, uh, I, I don't know. I just love it. It's, it's, it's a warm cup of cocoa kind of movie that hmm. makes you feel good. And uh, I love the music. Uh, Sandre Lecte's name, and I think uh, it's a really wonderful soundtrack. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I, it was interesting when I was sort of tweeting while I watched it. And it seemed like a lot of people didn't really like it that much, but I like it. So yeah. it's my list. And so <laughs> I have uh, it at number eight. <laughs> I have not seen it, although. Um, uh, so there's two ways in which I know this movie. One of them, uh -huh. I think, is uh, what most people will... So I feel like you'll say, then in real life, and, and most people will know what you're talking about, and then you can tell them it's the movie in which the poster is Steve Carell resting his face in a, in a stack of pancakes. Yeah. And people will know, will know what you're talking about. Because I feel like that image, for some reason, has endured uh, <laughs> where the movie necessarily hasn't. And the other thing, weird thing about the movie is my mom, I don't think she ever saw the movie, but she owned the soundtrack for some reason. So I will soundtrack. agree. I will agree that it's a pretty good soundtrack. Like you yeah. say, Sandra Lurch or... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how you Sandra say Lurky the name. Or I don't know how you yeah. said the name either. He's a good, he's a good singer. Mm. He's making some good music. Yep. Yeah, so I, I agree. Will, I will stand behind that. <laughs> okay. I, it, it's a very sweet little movie. I, I think that... Uh, that if you're in the right mood for that kind of a film, it'd be a good one to watch on like uh, Thanksgiving or something like that, you know, just to, I, I, I enjoy it. I like that kind of movie. So, um, so what do yeah, you have right. for your number seven? Uh, all right. Number seven for me is a movie be, uh, called You the Living. And this is directed by Roy Anderson, who is not the mm -hmm. same as Wes Anderson. He is a <laughs> Swedish director. Yeah. And You the Living is the second movie in a trilogy by Roy Anderson 
that he calls the trilogy about being a human being or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the other, the other movies in the trilogy are uh, Songs from the Second Floor and A Pigeon Set on a Branch Reflecting an Existence, which came out a couple years ago. And uh, these are basically, the three movies are very similar. They don't have a traditional narrative. They are more of like made up of little sort of comic vignettes. So you have these little uh, scenes and most of them are supposed to be comedic and some of them are a little bit depressing. So the thing about these movies is they are kind of like existential, dark, deadpan sort of comedy. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I I watched it. And I thought, yeah. I thought it was really charming. I really enjoyed it. I, there was one part of of sensuality which I thought really didn't fit and was kind of a bummer for me because I felt like I felt like uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to recommend this to my mom. Like, this would be great. She'll love it. And I'm like, oh. I well, yeah. Um, I, I think I know what part you're talking about. But yeah, I think he's got a pretty... It's interesting because he represents the world and I think he's mostly talking about European society and Swedish society more than anything. Mm-hmm. But it like everything is very beige and the characters are all very pale and everyone looks mm-hmm. almost like a zombie. So it's kind of like this uh, emotionally detached, sort of boring sort of existence for these yeah. characters. And I think, you know, uh, there is, I think there are sort of like, you know, uh, like you say, sort of like, I guess, sex scenes in some in, in the movies, and they're not really supposed to be sexy or anything, right? He, I think, right. he uses them more to represent this sort of uh, emotional detachment, and and the people having, you know, sexual relations aren't really enjoying it. They're really thinking about different things, and it's almost like a little bit grotesque. Yeah, I can but see I that. But I think I think the power of the movie is well, one of first of all, I find a lot of it to be very very funny even though it's kind of like a little bit of that uh funny and you choke a little bit on your laughter because it's also a little bit like saying that, that the world doesn't mean anything and there's no sense to anything. But at the same time, I think he finds certain moments that are really hopeful and and a little bit beautiful among yeah. this sort of numbness, right? There's yeah. sort of this, in this movie in particular, you have a bunch of uh, sequences that are people retelling their dreams. And some of them are nightmares, but some of them are like actually kind of beautiful. I don't know yeah. if you agree with that. I There's agree. The, I loved the dream when she's married to the rock star. I thought that was yes, so That's what sweet. I was going to say. Yeah. That, that scene is really, really beautiful. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's also very impressively made because it's almost like their house is a train and it's going... Mm-hmm. away from the station i don't know how they did that because that looks i mean yeah it, it looks really impressive it's like a really yeah. cool effect that they had right. it going does there. yeah it it's it does look cool and i and i don't know like it wasn't it would be really easy to have that scene be kind of mocking in tone like sort mm-hmm. of making fun of her for having this dream uh, but it really isn't uh yes I, Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, And, but the best scene of all is when he pulls, I laughed really hard when he pulls that 
tablecloth. Oh my god, I'm so happy you said that. That scene is so funny. That I laughed so hard when yeah. I saw that scene. And I think it's because the setup is so great because um not to get too much into into spoiling it for people, but um the character says what he did before it yeah. happens because yeah. i think it's one of the dreams right so the character said i had this dream in which i pulled this tablecloth and then we get this setup that is so long and you know what's gonna happen yeah. and then when it finally happens it's hilarious yeah. oh i love that scene yeah, so much that's really funny uh <laughs> um yeah so that's a good pick i enjoyed it uh, that's definitely one i wouldn't have seen otherwise uh which is fun so my yeah. number seven is uh is john carney film called once and this uh did win the oscar for best song i love john carney's movies um i i loved sing street last year it was one of my favorites of the year good uh, i i just I just spoke to me um, and he's just such a great job of getting to the heart of what it is to be a musician. And in this film, you have these two people that are uh, working to uh, write this album to have to, that's their dream. And it's not even just that their, their dream is not to be famous. Their dream is literally to make the album. <laughs> like that was very refreshing. I thought, and, and, yes. and, and, and that they they really don't have a romance uh like i feel like you would expect in this kind of film it's really just these two people that want to make this album like it's very simple and it's when they finally get in that recording studio it is so uh, you're just you're just like, yes yes you know it's just such a victory and and they haven't even like sold an album it's just like they got a chance to do it and it feels so good and the music is so good and great performances uh by all involved uh it my, my only real flaw with it is that i i, I wish that there wasn't so much profanity because i don't think it's needed mm -hmm. at all for the story um but other than that i i love it i think it's just a beautiful little movie yeah i agree with that um uh, so I had this thing, very good movie. I will say that outright. Um, the only reason it's not on my list or it's because there is this confusion of whether or not it was released in 2007. And because I'm, you know, this wouldn't really matter. It was obviously released in 2007 in the US, but for my list purposes, I am a little bit of a, you know, control freak. So I kind of wanted to make it movies that were released in 2007 for the first time in their country or whatever so it got a little confusing i didn't know whether or not i should put once if it should qualify for the list or whatever but it doesn't matter i'm glad that you put it on your list because it's a really really good movie and i really like it and um i'm glad that you like it too and i will agree so i think there's a couple of things that are really great about once the first one is that the songs are really really good mm -hmm which I think it's important because there's nothing worse than when you see a movie and people are saying, oh, you're such a great musician, your songs are so good, and then they play the songs and they're not that good. Right. So I think it's really, really important and it's a great strength that the songs are actually as good as you would, you would want them to be. Like, mm -hmm. it's not weird that the characters are saying, oh, your songs are really good because the songs are actually really good. Yeah. So I think that's a, a huge strength of the movie. And number two 
it's like you say it's this kind of like very small scale very realistic in a way sort of version of of this romance because the romance like you say it's it's not really a traditional sort of romance and and the whole idea of their success is also very small scale it's just like you say recording this album and the way the movie is uh directed they obviously had a very small budget but it makes it so it makes it all very special because it it's you're in the streets of dublin and it looks like it would actually look like and the people there look like people that would be hanging out there and there's this chemistry between the two and 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 there's yeah. such a real life sort of feeling to the thing that i think cannot be replicated and and i'm happy that uh john carney hasn't tried to replicate it after it because he's still making movies about basically all of his movies are about musicians trying to become musicians um but in different ways right i think it would be a mistake to try to um replicate the magic that is in once because it's one of those things that you know it was just like the right moment the right time with the right people and it works so beautifully in in yeah. that movie yeah. um Agreed. case in point they made a broadway version that a lot of people liked but i feel like it was a different thing because you just can't recapture what it what the movie gives you which is this feeling of like this is happening right here right now with these people and it all feels very real and very emotionally real i guess it's yeah. it's important for it yeah it does and it just feels uh like such a vic a victory and i feel like uh, if it were to be sort of remade and I don't know about the musical, but the Broadway musical, but I feel like that they would want to make it, like you said, bigger. Like they would want to make it like, oh, he becomes famous and they end up, you know, becoming, becoming drug addicts or something like that. You know, like they would just make it sort of bigger. And I, I, I love it. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. Well, so. have you seen his other movie, not Sing Street, but the one he made before that, it's called begin again did you see that I, I, yeah that's my least favorite of his actually yeah I, I, I feel like that is a little bit of a of a once remade a little bit for like an american yeah perspective and it doesn't work quite as well it feels yeah. a little phony right whereas once feels very very yeah uh, honest well yeah because i felt like uh, um uh keir knightley's character in that was a little bit preachy about like oh I'm not gonna get paid and we're gonna we're gonna be authentic uh, musicians and, yeah and, and a very yeah exactly I agree with you because it's totally the opposite of once the people in once want to make money and want to be successful musicians and they want to make their, they just they're just trying to have this one album right yeah. like they're actually struggling to become uh, musicians. And then it, it felt really phony when it began again. Suddenly these yeah. successful people are saying, no, we don't need the money. We're just going to go in the streets and be real. Like that's and it didn't really feel, artist. Yeah. And it yeah. didn't feel real at all. It felt like a bunch of famous people saying yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, okay. So what's your number six? Number six. Okay. Number six for me is a movie called Silent Light. It is a Mexican movie, even though practically nobody in the movie speaks Spanish. It takes place at a Mennonite community in rural Mexico. So the people are speaking, I guess, Plattdeutsch, which is sort of like a German dialect. 
and uh, this was directed by Carlos Regadas, and it is a very, very, very slow movie. So I will warn people who might want to want to see it, people who are not into it. It is one of those foreign films that uh, looks and feels like what you imagine a foreign film to be. So it's mm -hmm. like, it's really small. It's about this community and this family in particular where the dad is having an affair. So this is a, a very religious family. Obviously, they're Mennonites. Uh, so they live in a farm and they are sort of secluded from the rest of the world. And, uh, and you know, and the whole struggle of the movie is basically that the dad is having an affair with another woman in the community and he isn't sure of what to do about it. Um, especially considering his faith and, you know, what the Bible says about, uh, you know, loving your wife and being, uh, true to her and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, I, I think this sounds, because it, I thought that it sounded when I heard this premise, like it was going to be a movie about how this supposedly religious community is actually sort of uh, twisted or something like that, right? Because you hear this whole small town, small uh, uh, like religious family, but that is having an affair. So it looks like it's going to be a bit of a dark movie, which it, I feel like it really isn't. It's a very uh, emotionally uh, honest and very respectful movie of 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 how a religious person of this kind would feel about what this guy is going through and how the wife would feel, which is important, and how the lover would feel. Because these are all people who take their religion very seriously, obviously, and they're mm -hmm. going through a very, like it's a rather small stakes situation in a broad sense, but for them it's very important and it's very high stakes. And it's, it's actually a very, very beautiful movie um, I don't want to spoil what happens, but the ending of the movie is very moving. Um, um, I don't know what else to say about it. It's one of those movies okay. that uh, I feel like some people might see it and, you know, after 10, 20 minutes, they'll be like, nothing's happened. There's nothing going on in this movie. But I feel like if you stick it through like I did and you get to the end, you will just get this sort of catharsis and it's like a very, very beautiful uh, finale that is, um, it is definitely playing, paying homage to this old uh, Danish movie called Ordet, which is also about a religious community. And it's definitely, I don't know how, but like, like um, film history people will know what that movie is. Um, and this is almost like a modern retelling of, something very similar to that um it's a very very beautiful movie but like i say again very slow like the first scene i think takes five minutes and it's just like five minutes of seeing the sun rising so be prepared for that but it's yeah, also very beautiful i think that those kind of stories about religion can be uh really moving and really beautiful as a religious person uh and even if they're complex like in scatter sunshine uh that uh, that as long as I, I where I get annoyed is when I feel like they're mocking religious people or mm -hmm. uh, they're treating them like they're stupid 
that that annoys me i don't like that mm-hmm. um but this looked from the trailer it looked like it was uh a character piece and it looked, it looked yes good. and it's definitely not a, a movie that is looking down at its characters i think yeah. uh well the director and the crew went and lived with this community so all of the people in the movie are really actual mennonites from mexico who only made this movie and then they're not actors so they just uh you know saw that this guy was coming to their community to make this film so they did it and then they went on with their lives and it definitely Mm -hmm. has that very realistic sort of feeling to it in that way yeah yeah where a movie annoys me is a movie like uh chocolate where the okay. <laughs> uh, where the uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but where the right. the priest is this buffoon kind of, and he's you know like being all uh, kind of leading the people all like astray, and and I, that kind of, that kind of thing is when I feel like it annoys me. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but anyway, so this sounds good. Um, so yeah. let's uh, let's move on here. So my number six uh, mm-hmm. is Persepolis, and this uh-huh. is. The Iranian, uh, uh, based on the graphic novel, um, and it's a French film about an Iranian girl, uh, and uh, starts out in the uh, revolution, um, and uh, and it goes through her life. And that's one of the things I, I like the most about it, is that there's not that many animated films, that's hard to think of any, that are about a whole person's kind of life. And... Mm. Um, uh, and also, I I love the animation. It's just so great. I I personally I just love it. I think it's beautiful. And I actually think like this movie is is funny. I think it's intense. I think it's sweet at times. Uh, I think it's unpredictable because life is unpredictable. You don't really know what's going to happen to her. At least I don't. Um, and uh, it, it's um, um, Marjane uh, Satrapi. It's her mm-hmm. book, and then her uh, um, she and co-directing it, the movie, and with Vincent Paranod, I guess. Sorry, I'm pronouncing it wrong, but um, but uh, I I don't know. I just love it. I think it's really uh, a unique animated film. I love the animation, and I like the story, and I like. Uh, seeing her go through all of these different periods of uh, this uh, history sort of of mm-hmm. Iran and how how she uh, and how unique her family is. I, I really like her family. I like her grandma. I like mm-hmm. her parents. I like how she is able to sort of be into like punk music and, and different things like that. And, you know, you don't really think of a lot of things I normally think of with Iran, I feel like mm-hmm. aren't really necessarily true. And you see that here. And um, yes. anyway, so yeah, that's my number six. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely agree with that last part. I think it's when you hear, you know, a story about Iranian girl who emigrates to Europe, you kind of feel like, Oh, it's going to be, you know, most immigrant stories feel most of the time, like, they had a really rough time back in their homeland. So they have to come to this new land where they will be better off or whatever. And, but her story is much more complicated than that. And she has more mixed feelings about it, right? Because she really liked her life in Iran. And then she had to go because of different political circumstances. And then when she goes to Europe, she doesn't necessarily love it. And she kind of wants to go back. So it's a very 
very honest and very and much more complex version of the immigrant story i feel yeah. like um also i will agree that the animation is really really beautiful mm-hmm. um and it's very particular it just feels like a very specific style that is realistic but also cartoony at the same time in a very mm-hmm. specific way it's all in black and white it's very stark so it feels almost like a so it looks probably very similar to what the graphic novel looks like, mm-hmm. which is also in black and white, but it has this like flow of movement that is really, really um, very well done. Um, I think it's a, it's a pretty good movie as well. There is mm-hmm. one thing about it that keeps me from loving it. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know what it is. It might be just the nature of telling a story that encompasses a person's, you know, a, a large chunk of a person's life. But there is a, a there's a lot of narration in the movie, and I don't necessarily have a problem with that. But I, I do feel like the movie is trying to cover a lot of life, or you know, a lot of this character's life in a relatively small space of time. Mm-hmm. And what happens to me, at least, is that it kind of rushes from one moment to an- another in her life in a way that is very charming at the beginning. I feel like you have these little vignettes of what her life was as a kid, but then as it goes to the more complicated parts of the, of the second half of the movie and she gets older and she gets very moody and she mm-hmm. starts to make the, all of these decisions that I feel like I don't fully understand why she's doing what she's doing in some parts. And mm-hmm. it's kind of hard for me to, to track her emotionally and what she's going through i mean we get a little bit of it and and some of it i do feel like she's being like a little too opinionated or i can't fully understand where she's coming from some of the things she does and says of course i agree with and some others i'm a little bit like uh you know uh, i don't know i feel like mm-hmm. it, it it is hard for me to track the character towards the second half i can see that i guess that's fair i mean i guess i just sort of chalk that up to She's a teenager, you know, like in most of those yeah, things, you know, she's, I guess so. uh, you know, she's just rebelling. Uh, and, but I can understand what you're saying. I get it. Um, it yeah, does. That's really, that's really the one thing. Um, yeah. Um, okay. So let's, uh, wow. We've, we've got to, uh, so let's talk about, uh, your number five. My number five is, uh, the movie Zodiac. Directed mm-hmm. by David Fincher, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, and Robert Downey Jr. A little bit before he became Iron Man. And this is the, right the year before. So this was the beginning of, the, of his, you know, career renaissance, let's say. I don't mm-hmm. know. Right. Um, anyway, the, sto- it's, the movie's called Zodiac. So it's uh, basically a thriller mystery movie about the zodiac killers uh not killers killings i guess yeah so this is a story of like people working to try to to catch the zodiac killer who is this serial killer who was um uh you know had a run of crime in california back in the late 60s and 70s and Mm -hmm. So it is a mystery movie about trying to find this murder, but it's also more than anything a movie about people obsessing over trying to catch the murderer. So it's kind of like a movie about obsession made by David Fincher, one of the most obsessive directors working today. So that's, I think, what makes it 
so special. Mm. Um, Cause it's, it's got this Jake Gyllen. I have not seen it, but okay. it, it's got Jake Gyllenhaal and mm -hmm. um, uh, who's the other one? Mar Mark Ruffalo. Uh, Ruffalo. Yeah. yeah. So Jake Good Gyllenhaal actors. plays sort of like a, he's plays a cartoonist working at a newspaper and so he, even though he has nothing to do with this crime, he becomes obsessed with kind of solving it. Mm -hmm. Mark Ruffalo plays a, actually a cop who's assigned the case. And Robert Downey Jr. plays a, the reporter who is actually reporting on the crime. But the main character is Jake Gyllenhaal, who is this guy, sort of like this regular guy who's pulled into this whole web of trying to figure out who the killer is. And spoiler alert, in case people don't know of this, but this is from real life, the they never caught the zodiac killer we don't know who it is to this day um so it's a very interesting movie about yeah. trying to find answers and not being able to find them and the ambiguity yeah. and the obsession that comes from for all these people about not trying to catch him it's a really well made yeah. movie the script is really solid the direction i think it's the moment in which david fincher sort of like it feels almost like a change of level for him like he after he's made some good movies before this of course but then this movie really feels like he stepped into another level and it feels like a very personal story for him and it's it's really well made um the cinematography is really great editing everything it's a really really solid movie and i know cool. a lot of people like it yeah i've heard uh, good things I am not that high in David Fincher, actually. I, I'm like the one person in the world that didn't care for Gone Girl. I didn't think it was, I didn't really like it. Um, yes, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Gone Girl either, but I would say David Fincher, my favorite Fincher movies are Zodiac and The Social Network. Um, so I think those two are the ones that, that really showcase his, his abilities as a, as a filmmaker more than any others. Interesting. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't that big of, I, I need to rewatch uh, the social network because w at the time I, I didn't think it was that good, but maybe I'd like it more now that I'm a more seasoned film goer. I, I, I just remember thinking it was kind of boring. I didn't really like it. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm a little more sophisticated now, so maybe I'd like it, but uh, I don't know. I just felt like they took the easy way out of making the rich guy, the, the bad guy, you know, like I, I just felt like, surely he's a more interesting nuanced person than this but anyway we don't have to get into that but yeah uh, <laughs> but i i'm like i felt like i was the one person that's like yep king's speech should have won it was better yeah um but anyway so uh um but that's good to hear about zodiac that uh it, it, that it was yeah. a, a good gripping movie for you yeah. um there's a yeah, I gotta say, for just so people know, there are a couple of like kind of gruesome murders in Zodiac. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you know, be careful about that if you're, you know, depending on what kind of movie watcher you are. Yeah, that's it's why not, I there's not seen a it. lot of it, but there's a couple of scenes that are, that are like a little. Um, and honestly, I don't, I don't think they're that violent, but they are, of course, very, very. Uh, upsetting in a suspenseful sort of way right because it's okay because they are i guess what he's doing is he's really trying to shoot these murders as matter of factly as possible he doesn't want to make them particularly you know exciting or you know 
he doesn't want to make them cool because you know it's a horrifying thing and but the detachment kind of makes it almost like really creepy and really disturbing at the same time so it's you know it's very intense in that sense yeah interesting okay cool um so my number five is a little movie i think is way underrated uh it is called breach um it is an espionage kind of thriller i guess you'd say um and it uh, it is uh stars chris cooper this is a based on real life events and ryan felipe uh about this man who was selling uh secrets to the russians for years ryan felipe is basically hired uh to as an agent to go in and catch him catch the chris cooper guy because he's so good he's so smart and mm. Uh, what's interesting to me about this movie is you have this man who everybody thinks is uh, this uh, religious guy, is this uh, family man. Uh, he seems like just this, he even, he sort of welcomes the Ryan Flippy character in, uh, into his life and uh, you know, he thinks, how can he possibly be doing this? He's such a good guy. And I think the way in which he rationalizes this that because he's so tired of being uh turned uh looked over and um other people getting promotions ahead of him and that Hmm. people don't think that he's smart and so this is sort of his way of proving that that he's smarter than everybody else and that, that he could pull this off uh while basically leading the investigation of of who this person is you know that 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 made it he was better than everybody else and i i think that that's what makes it really interesting chris cooper is so good in the role he's wonderful uh devastating you really you should this should be a person that you hate but in my opinion he's very uh, you really feel sorry for him and you feel for him and uh i i think it's really good laura linney's in it she's great um uh, yeah, like I said, I think it's underrated. I really like it. Yeah, I, I haven't seen this movie, but I've heard really good things about it, and you make it sound really good, so I'm definitely curious to see it. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So what's your um, uh, number four? Number four for me is There Will Be Blood, directed <laughs> by Paul Thomas Anderson, starring the great Daniel Day-Lewis and the old sometimes great Paul Dano I guess he's pretty good yeah he has the best agent in Hollywood I mean he gets in all <laughs> these great movies all these epic movies 12 years a slave and True. and love and mercy and whatever and he's well, good but I, I think he... I think Paul Dano is just the guy that you go to when you need <laughs> someone to get punched in the face in a movie right yeah. I feel like that happens to him all the time and of like, course, he endures a, quite a bit of abuse from Daniel Day-Lewis in this movie as well. <laughs> like, I, so this is also on my list. I, I have this at number two. Uh, I think this is honestly one of the great American movies. I, I think that this movie is unforgettable. It's intense. It's so like visceral and real and mm-hmm. And I, I would be like afraid for my life, like if I was Paul Dano, like working on this set. Like Daniel Day Lewis is so intense and crazy, and like, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. There's actually like, a really, uh, I don't know if you know comedian Paul F. Tompkins, 
but he has a he has a stand-up bit in which he talks about he has a really small role in this movie and he talks about working with Daniel Day Lewis and he yeah he talks about how intimidating and and like nerve-wracking it was it's a pretty yeah, good bit oh, yeah I have um, to watch that that would be funny yeah um, <laughs> yeah and of course yes Daniel Day Lewis so the thing about Daniel Day Lewis of course we all know is he's known for uh, being this sort of immense method actor that he spends months and months in characters and years trying to craft his work or whatever and yeah. the, you know makes him sound a little bit like a douche in my opinion <laughs> um, but the thing about Daniel Day-Lewis when we're compared to like a Jared Leto or something who also does this sort of thing is that he's actually really really good and when he comes with the performance it's like it knocks your socks off and he yeah. is amazing in this yeah. movie and he's so scary it's yeah i it's, feel like i feel like there's not a single scene in this movie in which you are not in the back of your mind thinking i really hope daniel day lewis doesn't kill this person in this scene because <laughs> he could do that at any moment yeah agreed no doubt about it and yeah it it's uh it's it's a grueling watch in a way because it's just so i understand i have a friend who really hates this movie really doesn't mm-hmm. like it and i get it because uh, if you're a person that needs likable characters which normally i kind of am so but it's just so mesmerizing that i i guess i i was willing to forgo that normal taste of mine it's just yeah i gotta say i was a little surprised that you that you love this movie as much as you do but i'm glad because i obviously love it as well yeah so so maybe you can talk a little bit more about it what, um, what about it is makes it so great for you i know just it's just so uh it's just a such a character piece about uh and it's such a um vivid portrayal of like ambition and greed and uh and how um you can i guess maybe i sort of relate to it in a way because uh you know my uh the the idea of sort of a a charismatic individual and how they can sort of uh just dominate a, a, a town and dominate a person and how overwhelming those kind of individuals can be, if that makes sense. And, mm-hmm. uh, and just, I don't know, it's just so mesmerizing <laughs> when I watch it. Yeah. Like I'm willing to, uh, you know, I, I was, I told my friend when he was like, I'm surprised you like it. And I was like, yep, I guess I can be kind of random sometimes. And, and, uh, it's just such a mesmerizing performance and a mesmerizing, uh, character and just that that sense of place that you get the sense of like you know exactly where you are and this old west kind of mentality it's just it's just a great Mm -hmm. movie i think it uh, and um i think that there's enough moments where you do feel like this person could exist with how crazy he is it does feel like this could be somebody who could actually exist because i met like super sort of charismatic people and so in a certain ways it's kind of a tragedy in a way um it is i guess it is it is very interesting because it feels almost like a yeah it feels almost like a tragedy that is like you say you call it the great american movie and i do feel like it's 
almost the tragic figure in this whole thing is America, right? Because yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis plays this businessman who is very ambitious, obviously, but and 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 his downfall, the way he closes off and becomes so neurotic by the end seems to be you know reflective of this like sort of american dream promise of like uh fortune and and happiness that it's almost like destroyed by its own ambitions mm -hmm. almost i well, do think yeah, yeah 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 and the way that it uses evangelicalism as a counterbalance to his intensity like both of them are equally sort of ant antagonistic and equally uh bombastic and uh, and that's very american evangelicalism and uh, mm -hmm. so that's a really interesting contrast to watch also yeah. through the through it's the definitely a very american movie and a very critical movie about you know the darker aspects of american society or um and i do think i think my some of the movies here and towards the top of my list um, zodiac definitely there will be blood and the movie that we'll talk about that i have in number three i think all three represent this idea that I talked about at the beginning of the podcast that, you know, American filmmakers at this time in 2007 were in a very dark mood about the country as a whole and sort of like this whole mess that they were getting into by the end of the Bush years. And I think they were definitely in a, in a darker mood about the country and, and trying to figure out and explore the darker sides that, uh, or the darker forces that had gotten us. Yeah to this place so you have of course zodiac uh, zero killer which is i guess there's a bit of a i guess an american fascination with serial killers i think there's a lot of of mm -hmm. course a lot of people who like to investigate about that sort of thing and and there is uh, uh, it plays a part in society and then there will be blood definitely about um a little bit about religion, evangelical stuff, but most of all about capitalism and, you know, um, the oil industry and that sort of thing. Yeah. I guess what it comes down to, if you create sort of compelling enough characters for me and and you're, you're written in a way that is compelling enough, then I'm going to like it, whether it's a particularly positive necessarily movie or not um you know it's yeah. one of those ones so um okay so my number four uh is totally different 100 percent uh the <laughs> other thing is enchanted and i like this movie a lot for a lot of reasons first of all i like that it is a loving homage to classic disney tropes i think it is really fun the way that it sort of pokes fun at like the working song and and uh you know in snow white or like the 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 you know the the tr the true you know true love you know that you that uh, mm -hmm. Giselle you know that she thinks she's found her true love in the first like opening even the opening montage with the book and the story and and uh, the just different things that I, but I don't feel like it's not like Shrek where it is kind of crass or mean spirit. There's not a mean spirited bone in this movie's body. And uh, and so I really enjoy that. I, I think it's kind of fun as a Disney fan to sort of play up on some of those things. Um, and yeah. I also really like Amy Adams' performance. I think she is so charismatic. And so she really, you know, sells it. Because a, a movie like this is really dependent upon the the i think the lead performance and i think this is very similar in a way to elf with will ferrell mm -hmm. both over these you know these fairy tale creatures that end up in manhattan you know kind of things and, mm -hmm. and uh 
I, I really like this, this, this contrast between this really optimistic character with this divorce attorney character, you know, so you've got like the uh, Patrick yeah. Tinsey and you've got this, this person who believes in true love, believes in romance, believes in, uh, and, and this person who is very cynical about it and, and, and coming to contrast. The other thing I really love about it. Oh, I mean, I love Alan Macon songs, of course. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then, songs. yeah. And, but I also like, this is the only Disney movie that has a Disney princess that is actually kind of a mother and does like mothering and has a relationship with a child. And, hmm. and I, I think that that makes it kind of unique and different. And it's a little That's bit more of a, a mature yeah. um, Disney uh, princess in a way, you know, yeah. it's not a young ingenue. And uh, I, I, yeah. Although, I love Susan Sarandon. I think it's really fun in it. She, she's the, mm-hmm. the baddie. And I think that uh, James Marsden has a lot of fun as, as the, uh, the prince, you know, with his like sword in the middle of Manhattan yeah. and, He's great. And so I, I love really it. He's really funny. I really do. I, I, so that's my number four. Yeah. Um, I agree with a lot of things that you've said. Amy Adams is great. James Martin is hilarious. Um, I also agree that this is like a better subversion of the Disney formula than Shrek was. Um, it seems like it's coming from a place of love, obviously, because it's made by Disney, but also poking fun of itself mm-hmm. and, and doing it in a more... Um, you know, in a more nuanced uh, and more effective sort of way, because the, not to get too much into Shrek, but I feel like yeah. the thing about Shrek is that it says that it's about something and it almost kind of like undermines it with some of the other choices that it makes. So its theme is not as uh, strong. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the songs are great. Uh, the scene in the park when they're all dancing is also a great scene. Yeah. Um, and now I can't remember what I wanted to say. There was also something positive about this movie. The animation at the beginning, I also like. I think yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty good movie most of the way. I have to say the thing that kind of uh, makes it one that I'm not crazy about is the final sort of act. Um, when it turns almost into a bit of like an action sequence movie mm. um i feel like the last part of the movie doesn't really come together the way i wish it had so that that's kind of why i i, I you know i'm mm-hmm. not super into enchanted although i haven't seen it in a while so maybe maybe um maybe it's time to give it another look and yeah. see what i think of it now but i remember at the time thinking that I was enjoying the movie a lot. And then the final moments, although I do like that it's Amy Adams that saves the day and it, mm-hmm. and, you know, and she's kind of like this strong character. Um, and in that sense, I think it's very, you know, like you say, it's a very strong character that at the same time is very sweet and mothering and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess. Effective, I, but I think, I, I don't know, there's something about that whole dragon thing and the and the way she has to fight it or whatever that it, i don't know it didn't work that well for me fair enough i i guess i can see that but i don't know that wasn't a deal breaker for me at least i i i still enjoyed yeah. it and i think that susan Sarandon's kind of having enough fun as sort of the villain and uh that mm-hmm. uh you don't get that many just outright baddies in disney anymore so uh, mm-hmm. i i i don't know i i get it but for me uh, i i just i really do I really do love it. So that's my number four. Uh, and um, what's your number three? Number three for me 
completing my trilogy of uh, Dark Side of America, I guess, is the movie No Country for Old Men, directed mm-hmm. by Joe Cohen, Ethan Cohen, the Oscar winner of that year, uh, uh, featuring Josh, Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem, Tommy Lee Jones. It's basically this movie about a guy in Texas, a bit of a morally ambiguous guy. He's our protagonist. We don't know. One of the interesting things about the movie is that he's really not a good guy and he's also not a bad guy. He's just almost like a very human, selfish sort of person. Uh, He finds a bunch of money in the desert. Turns out that money belongs to criminals. And so Javier Bardem plays the deadly killer who's after him to find the money. Tommy Lee Jones plays an old sheriff who's trying to uh, find the guy and help him solve the murders that are going on around in this part of Texas. It's uh, it's very much a movie about a guy on the run being chased by a evil guy and that evil guy being chased by an old by an old sheriff, and it's it's pretty great. It's a really well made movie mm-hmm. with a very interesting philosophical outlook, very dark as well, just like there will be blood and zodiac. Um, it's now you're almost a, a huge... movie. You're you're a huge Coen Brothers, Brothers fan? fan, right? Yes, that's correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know how you feel about them. Um, this is an interesting movie because it's almost a movie about. I feel it is very much a, a bit of a metaphor for what the country was going through with the war on terror back in ten years ago and that sort of thing. Because Javier mm-hmm. Bardem, it's almost like this, almost like unreal just evil character he represents destruction and evil in a way that is almost non-human and can't be stopped so it's almost about this Tommy Lee Jones sheriff character sort of being confronted by the fact that there's this evil in the world that can it's seemingly unstoppable and how do we deal with that and what what can he do about that so it's a very interesting movie in that sense on the other side of things, it's also a very well-made movie, very thrilling. There's a lot of really cool suspense moments. It's a chase movie. There's, it's very violent, and there's a lot of action in it, but, it, but it's super well-made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, heard, I've heard only good things about it. I haven't seen it because of the violence. Um, but I, yeah, but the I've violence, is, is ve- it can be really rough. Yeah. Um, um, but, it, but it's a good movie, definitely. One of yeah. my favorites. It looks really scary and uh, certainly has great cast. And yeah, is, I'm, for yeah. me, the Coen brothers are hit and miss for me. Uh, you know, I love like Raising Arizona and I love mm-hmm. uh, the um, uh, the Brother Where Art Thou. And so I, I love a lot of their movies. I love Fargo um, mm-hmm. is my favorite of theirs. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, some others I'm not a big fan of. I did not. I know you liked it. I did not like Hail Caesar. I thought it was big miss. Um, and uh, so anyway, they're hit and miss for me. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, but I, I've only heard really great things. And they won the best director for this. They won the uh, and it looks beautifully made from the from the um, trailer. So. Yeah, it's a very well directed movie. Um, there because there is almost no soundtrack. Like there is no score in the movie. So the the tension is super high. There is a scene in which Josh Brolin is kind of hiding in this hotel room and he 
knows that Javier Bardem is coming, so he turns off all the lights and he just sits on the bed with his shotgun waiting for him to come to the door and it's just nerve-wracking it's one of the most tense movie moments i have experienced in my life i remember mm. watching in the theater being almost like could unable to handle the suspense so mm. it's really really well made in that well we forgot to um mention that about there will be blood uh, the soundtrack oh my gosh i think it's amazing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. definitely oh. and one of i think that and probably no i think that is like one of the most influential soundtracks because i think at that time it was really unusual for a movie to have this sort of like very abrasive um strings and very intense almost mm-hmm. conflicting music that i think we get a lot more of these days and i think uh composer johnny greenwood kind of opened the door for a different kind of uh mm-hmm. score Interesting. Yeah, that's, I, I, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, it's just like, oh man, it's just so good. Um, all right. So, okay. So my um, number three uh, is, um, uh, is one that you'll have coming up. Uh, my number three is Ratatouille. Um, so we can probably talk about yes. that when you do your number one. Um, yes. And then, spoiler, Brad, the two is my number one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, I, and then my number two is There Will Be Blood. So we've already talked uh-huh. about that. Uh, okay. So, what is your um, next on your, see, so what are we at? Three? Is uh, all right. So, let's talk about number two. Two, and then two, we can sorry. talk about our number ones. Yeah. yeah so, what's all your right, so two? let's go straight. My number two is the movie that won actually the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival in 2007. And it's a Romanian movie called Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days. And it is basically a movie. Uh, it is also a very intense movie. It takes place in Romania in the 1980s at a mm-hmm. time when they were under a very strict uh, communist dictatorship. And it's about this young woman who uh, her friend is having an abortion but back in that time, abortions were illegal in Romania, so they have to go through a lot of hoops and illegal sort of situations in order to, to make that happen. And, uh, right, so abortion is a bit of a, of a sensitive issue. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the movie is about these people trying to get an abortion, but it really is more so than that. It's more about like many Romanian movies of the last 10 years have been, is really about the sort of the corruption and the, and the nonsensical level of, of just, yeah, of corruption that was happening in the Romanian government at that time. And that has sort of carried on even after the, the dictatorship ended. So it is really about all the like ridiculous things that need to happen for these two women and and the honestly really horrible time that they have to go through in order to make this happen mm-hmm. um yeah it looks actress, really intense from the trailer it is very intense it is very uh stylistically specific the director is christian mungyu and he uh, had does a lot of long takes and the scenes are very specific it all takes place in just one day so it's just one long day of them going back and forth trying to find a hotel room and then 
they they didn't properly make the reservations. They have to go to another hotel. And then the guy who's going to do the, the abortion says, well, you, I said you, we should go to this other hotel and you're coming me to a different hotel. So it's a whole big mess. And it's just one long nightmare of trying to make this thing happen. But it's mm. really, really well made. And it really deserved to win uh, the Palm at Cannes that year. It was, uh, it's a really... It's a really intense, but also a really well-made movie. And, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the things that people sometimes maybe uh, get wrong about me, at least in my taste, is that I don't have to agree with the choices of the people that are the people make in a movie. I, I'm obviously very strongly pro-life, um, but I, I love Dirty Dancing, and there's a, a an abortion right. in that movie. And <laughs> obviously I'm not trying to compare the two, but... I'm just saying that I, I think that, I mean, I love There Will Be Blood, and I certainly don't agree with the choices that he makes in that movie. Um, and so I, I think as long as the movie isn't preaching to me and telling me that I am either wrong or that they are right mm-hmm. and that I need to change and that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then I don't, I don't need to agree with the choices that a character makes if it's done in a compelling way and if it is feels authentic to the character and not uh i mean i i can be very critical of movies that are uh that are religious and that are even mormon movies you know that are mm-hmm. my religion that right. are, are done in a preachy and in a um feel in a way that doesn't feel authentic to me as a viewer yeah. and so I, I anyway i just think that I would be willing to give this a shot uh, if, um, uh, but just because, and, and maybe that might surprise people that think that anything with abortion that I would say, you know, absolutely not, never, ever. Um, but uh, I just haven't had the chance to watch it yet. Yeah, and th- th- that is one of the, the great things about the movie is that it's not, it is not preachy, even though it's very political in a Romanian sort of way and very critical mm-hmm. of the whole situation that was going on. It does make a very, uh, you know, it is very honest and realistic about its portrayal of like, what can, how horrible things are when when these sort of things are outlawed and and you know when there are all these rules and all these uh, illegal dealings that have to go on in order for for, for these things to happen well it's sort of interesting because my uh number one choice for 2007 is the movie juno i uh-huh. love juno i think it is uh so funny I think it is so heartfelt and I think that it is really interesting the way that you start out thinking things about certain characters and Dabble Cody's script uh, says by the end you're like oh I was wrong I was wrong I you know you think when you first meet uh, Jennifer Garner's character you think that she's just uh, like a pill, that she's just not, you know, that she's this yuppie, whatever. And you think, oh, how cool is Jason Bateman? He's so cool. And because that's what Juno's thinking. Right. And, and so, uh, but by the end, you, you totally 
I, I think you totally see them both in this new way and uh, that I think works. I love her friend in it. I think she's great. I love J.K. Simmons as her dad I and Alice Janney as her mom. I, I also, a lot of people when it first came out were like, oh, it's glorifying teen pregnancy. I heartily hmm. disagree. I think that they show that this is a very painful experience for her. This is not easy. And, uh, and I, I'm a huge adoption advocate. I, I really uh, believe in it. I really think it is a beautiful thing when, when mm -hmm. it is done in the correct way. Um, and so I, I love that message of the movie. And, uh, and I don't know, I just, I just love it. I, I, just, I get it that some people think it's too glib, but I don't care. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, now that you mentioned that, I think it would be interesting. I don't think people have really made a movie about uh, the the problems that can happen with the adoption and how it can be like really difficult for people to to you know to not only to adopt for but for women who want to give their babies up for adoption, it can also be like a a really hard experience from the uh, you know. Oh, I guess sure. bureaucratic point of view. So I think that would be an interesting movie, like you know, um, that someone could make. But uh, but speaking about Juno, uh, I like it. It's a movie that uh, it has sort of like a special place in my heart. I guess when I saw it back then, it really spoke to me and to my friends. Um, is a very sweet movie, I guess. Uh, a lot of people don't like it. Um, it is, I get the feeling that at least in, in my neck of the woods that uh, it is a little bit uncool to like Juno for some reason. I think it's mostly because of the, the whole dialogue thing. A lot of people say, oh, it's so overridden. There's so many, nobody talks like this. All of these weird phrases and turns of phrase that the, the characters are using in the Abel Cody script, um, which I think it's kind of true. Um, especially towards the beginning of the movie, there's that scene at the convenience store, which is a little too much, in my opinion. Uh, um, yeah, that's like a I lot of like weird. It. Yeah, I don't know. There's that whole like little did that can be undid, or it's in the Sunny D line, or whatever. It, I think it is a little rough out of the gate, but I do think that it um, it doesn't really bother me that much because it does feel to me that it's mostly specific to the characters that speak that way, right? Because, mm. uh, of course, Juno speaks that way and her friends also, but then the Jennifer Garner character and the Jason Bateman character don't really speak with those weird lines. Um, so I think it it, it is, uh, you know, well thought out. And I do think more than anything that it's a very, very effective movie emotionally and it's a very mm -hmm. sweet movie and I think there's just like a couple moments that are really honest emotionally and the movie really works well and hard to make its characters real complex people with more than one feeling at a time, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I love her and Michael Cera and Ellen Page, I think is so great. Michael Cera is very good. So like, I just love scenes like, uh, you're like the coolest person I know and you don't even have to try and then yeah. he's like I try really hard actually <laughs> yeah that's really funny it is a funny movie I think the script is better than most people give it credit for I, I yeah. see a lot of people trashing the script on the internet and I, I disagree with them I, I think it's really and it, 
and I'm just thinking of the, there's a couple scenes like the scene in the mall when Jennifer Garner uh, and and Juno run into each other at the mall and then she kind of like puts her hand on the belly it's like really effective for me yeah. I feel like that's a really sweet moment I think Jennifer yeah. Garner is doing some really great work in yeah, the movie yeah I agree and and of course the the I think the key moment in the whole movie is when when Juno tells her parents that she's pregnant and, oh, and then her so dad good. goes I thought you were the kind of girl who knew when to say no and then she says I just don't know what kind of girl I am I think that's such a great moment from Ellen Page the way she delivers that line and it's such a effective and and you know truthful line about about how she feels and what she's going yeah. through i think it's a i think it's a very smart and a very effective script and a very honest yeah. script and and i just love uh, jk simmons and alice janigan that i love them as a couple in the movie i yeah. think they're great and it means like did you see that coming i thought like drug abuse <laughs> i thought like that's so funny and uh, i i really i actually think I think her and J.K. Simmons, Ellen Page and J.K. Simmons have chemistry as so you believe them as a father and a daughter. And, and, uh, when he's like giving her advice and, and, uh, you yeah. know, and she says, I'm I, dealing with things way beyond my, right. Yeah. Every, everyone is so good in the movie. It's such a yeah. great cast. And like you say, the chemistry between all of them is so yeah. effective. Yeah. I'd, and obviously, obviously there will be blood is a better, made movie but i can't watch there will be blood uh, every uh, every weekend like i could watch I, I i and so i do think if i that's why i put juno at number one it's a movie that i could rewatch a lot i i don't have a problem with the style to me it's very similar to like i don't know gilmore girls or something like that that i like and so Mm -hmm. i don't have a problem yeah. with it because i like it <laughs> yeah no it's yeah absolutely it's it's that's also the reasons why i put my number one movie at number one is because it speaks to me on a, like a very personal emotional level and it's just you know that's just the kind of thing that we want to get out of movies i feel like and i don't think it glorifies teen pregnancy at all i really don't i think this is a very hard thing for her i think that you see her uh really struggle and i think if you were to interview juno she would be the last person to say go get pregnant when you're in when you're a teenager yeah uh, personally yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that i think yeah um i mean there's obviously i think that a lot of people have problems with that show teen mom the reality show about mm -hmm. teenage uh pregnancy and i i guess i can see how that show re wouldn't really exist like pr it probably was you know, created because of the success of Juno and that sort of thing. But I, I don't know. I just feel like the movie is the movie. I feel like the movie is very honest about it. It's not trying to say that it's just a, a fun and easy thing to do. I think it's mm -hmm. been very, very honest about what she's going through. So I think yeah. it's good. Yeah, it's a good cool. movie. All right. So what is your number one? My number one movie. Everybody knows it already. <laughs> Ratatouille. Yeah. And this is your number three, My correct? It is my um, number three. Yep. Yeah. Ratatouille, directed by the great Brad Bird, with the voices of a bunch of people I can't remember. Pat, Pat Oswalt, Peter O'Toole, <laughs> Brad Garrett. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, movie, this, animated yeah. movie, Pixar, about a rat that wants to be a chef. He just <laughs> has this dream of cooking in a fancy French kitchen. And guess what? He gets to do it. Yeah. 
And yeah. yeah, it's just an awesome movie. It's yeah. great. <laughs> it's so good. It, Rachel? Why do I love it? I love yeah. it because it has one of the great speeches, I think, in all movies, honestly. Uh, the, okay. the, uh, that's just one of the many things. Uh, when he says, you know, that, uh, that a critic's job is to, is, to, uh, is to celebrate the new and the different and to be an advocate basically for the new and the different. Yes. I think that is such a beautiful moment of cinema period. Yeah. And um, yeah, you're going straight to it. I was also going to say, it's a movie about being a critic and criticism. So how can I not love it? That's what I do on the internet. Of course it speaks to me on a very personal level. And that speech is very beautiful. I also think of the part in, in that speech when he, sort of talks about the gusto motto of uh, everyone can cook and how he says that he finally understands that it doesn't mean that everyone can cook, but that cooks can come from anywhere, which I think it's somewhere, mm -hmm. something that um, speaks a, very personally to Brad Bird. Cause I think that you see that coming in, in a lot of his movies. I think of Tomorrowland, even though it's, it's got its prob problems, uh, uh, has a very similar message about, you know, people doing great things coming from all kinds of backgrounds and, and, and getting the opportunity to do yeah. that stuff. Yeah. All right, but sorry. Yeah. I think no, I feel like I, I interrupted you. So no, you no, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think that it's a very pure character that we want to see happy, that we want to see recognized, you know, that he just wants, he has such small ambitions he just really wants to eat good food like he doesn't even want to be a famous chef it's not somebody that's how many times have we seen a movie where somebody wants to be famous wants to be you know recognized wants to be nice. whatever like that's not what remy wants he literally just wants to eat the food he wants to eat that's all yeah. that he wants and <laughs> and uh, he is yeah and this is also kind of why it speaks to me so much is because there's not just the critic character but remy himself is yeah. seen as some sort of critic figure within the rat community, let's right. say. Yeah. And how, you know, people say, well, he's a snob. He just wants this food that it's so fancy or whatever, which I think, I don't know if, if you probably have experienced this, this as well, but from people, you know, when you're kind of like a really into some form of art, let's say movies in our case, yeah. and then people, your friends will be like, well, you don't like anything or like you just hate every movie that you see yeah. or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, but it's just yeah. that you have this, you're just searching for this special thing that is really going to speak to you. And when you find it, you know that you have found it just like uh, the critic guy does at the end. Uh, yeah. And it's a beautiful moment, of course. That, that is very true that, that uh, especially blockbusters, the last two years, I've been pretty disappointed by almost every blockbuster. Uh, there's been a few that I've liked, uh, not the animated ones as much, but anyway, and, uh, and so when I see, I think people are like, why is she freaking out about Wonder Woman? Like, calm down. It's just a movie. But it spoke to my heart and, uh, and, and in a really special, profound way for me. And, uh, and mm -hmm. so I'm so excited about it. And I, I, I guess I think that the baby, that's hard to sort of translate if you're not, if you haven't been disappointed so many times. And, and, and so to, because they, they, you know, they they just didn't have the same experience. And, uh, but, but yeah, I think that that's true. And just that, I just love how small and intimate Ratatouille is about just this, these, these people that just want to, uh, this, this mouse and this, uh, 
this you know boy that that just want to uh live the life that they want to live like it's not somebody like i said it's not somebody that's trying to be famous or trying to be the, the greatest or trying to uh you know whatever sort of gimmick that you see in many films uh this is just somebody these are just people that just want to be who they are and uh, be the best versions of of who they're meant to be even ego uh, is really that even him he's a he's just um wants to be who he's supposed to be <laughs> i don't know yeah uh, um yeah and and it's just like you can really feel the it's just about the the love and passion that that remy has for yeah for food and for cooking it's just like it feels like you say very pure in that and, way and it is so beautiful the animation in ratatouille is one of pixar's best uh, oh my god the art direction that kitchen is so beautiful on the whole oh, streets of paris yeah. yeah when the rooftop scenes i love and you see all yes. the, the city of light it never looked better mm-hmm. and yeah. i mean and, and that's something to to be able to say that a movie about a rat made me want to go to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, uh, well, pretty you know, they are well known for the rats. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and the score. The score is beautiful oh, as yeah. well. Michael Giacchino, beautiful score, the art yeah. direction, the animation. This movie, yeah, like yeah. there's no surprise that this is my number one. It has all the things that I love. Great <laughs> animation. It's got, it's about criticism. It's about food. I love cooking. So I, that is also yeah. something that speaks to me. Everybody knows I love rats. So that is also rats. part of it. Yeah, it's a good See, movie. I, I hate rats. I no, hate I also rats. don't like rats. Mice. I hate mice so much. But, uh, but I don't mind them in animation. What can I say? Uh, you know, I'm from the, uh, I'm a lover of the house in my mouse. Yeah. And it's also, it's just when you think of it, it's just amazing that the, the great, most triumphant moment in the movie is when a beautiful kitchen is infested by rats. Right. And it's exactly. just full of rats all around. And it's like one of the most beautiful moments in the movie. Uh, yeah, agreed. <laughs> and it's very funny too. It's it's uh, yeah. It's not. I mean, I'd love Wally. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. but I, I think that that Wally has less to entertain the small little little tykes uh, sometimes. Mm. Um, whereas I, the Ratatouille is uh, is less esoteric and more more commercially uh i think approachable and uh and it's it's because it is very funny as well yeah it is yeah. it is it is funny there's and the uh, talking about the animation there's a great a lot of great physical humor and animation yeah. in, when he controls linguini with, yeah yeah and the way he moves <laughs> beautifully done that's great. one of the yeah it's very impressive because i think uh that is the sort of humor that i think works better in usually in live action than in animation because it's almost about seeing how a person can move mm-hmm. but they pull it off in an animated movie which i think is very impressive yeah yeah it's very true very true and uh, i don't know it just it just has a great heart to it and uh, it has emotion to it it's it's just a great little film i think it's a little underrated i feel like people for some reason don't talk about it when they talk about the great pixar films uh, but it's uh, that it's, is it is a great that film. is absolute. That's one of the most unfair things I've ever heard. Ratatouille is the best Pixar movie. 
well, maybe not. I don't know. It's, it's definitely tough. towards They're the top so of, of mine. I definitely think that the Brad Bird movies are, are probably the best, my favorite of the Pixar mm-hmm. movies. And I will make the case right now. Ratatouille should always be in the conversation about the best Pixar yeah. movies. Agreed. Uh, with Pixar, I feel like I have my number one is up is my favorite, uh, partly for personal connections that I have with it. Uh, and uh, and then I have like a 10 car pile up for second place. <laughs> I can't yeah. decide. Well, they, they, they had a really good run back then. Also, talk about 10 years ago. This was right in the middle of the time when we were all like, Pixar can do no wrong. They're, it's, it was insane how they were making all these great movies one after the other. Yeah, it's true. And times have changed. There's well, still good mean, movies, and sometimes they make not so good movies. Well, I, I've, I actually like, all, on some level, I like all of their movies, but um, but I agree that that was the, uh, the uh, cream of well, the crop. Yeah, I mean, yes. The, most of the movies that they make are good or at least pretty good yeah. um, but back then it was like one after right. the other it was like one masterpiece after the other you agreed. know it was it was kind of insane agreed yeah uh it's sort of sort of their golden age kind of like a the the beginning Definitely. of disney sort of so all right Definitely. well great that's a good pick i i i like all of i know we talked for a long time but i really do like uh i, I like talking about all of these movies and i think it was a really solid list of a. Uh, of 20, 20 films. These are, I think you could have a really diverse, interesting experience watching any of these films. And so if anybody uh, does watch them, please put in the comment section and let us know what you think and which yes. ones you like. And, uh, you know, Absolutely. you have it. everything from, from several, you know, we've got animation, uh, we've got, uh, you know, uh, true stories we've got uh musicals we've just got a lot of variety yeah and um so uh thanks for joining me on this i really appreciate it and i i had a lot of fun talking to you about these films absolutely thanks for having me always a pleasure um so where can people find you people can find me on the internet uh twitter uh you can search for my name conrado falco or you can search for coco hits new york and you can also find me uh, on my blog at cocohitsnewyork.wordpress.com. Yeah, awesome. I'll have that all in the description section. And uh, and you can find me, obviously, at Rachel's Reviews and uh, Smiling LDS Girl on all social media. And my blog is 54 Disney Reviews. And I, am, I started a new podcast last week called Chicks on Flicks with my friend Christine. And we're going to have our second episode We're doing the 33 films Roger Ebert said will restore your faith in humanity. Oh, wow. So so we're doing uh, doing Apollo 13 tomorrow. So that'll be really fun. Oh, good movie. I like Apollo 13. Yeah. So that will hopefully uh, be a lot of fun for people. And uh, so something to look forward to. Yeah, that sounds very exciting. Mm -hmm. So thanks so much. And uh, we'll have to get together and and talk, uh, talk again soon.